1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact.
1: Chris Haney joins me now on the Service Master by Cornerstone Online. Chris, what are we listening to?
2: It is a light rail coyote by the band Slater Kenny. A song about the city of Portland, or especially about an incident in Portland where a coyote got on the light rail. Um, for our visitors from Portland in town tonight.
1: Uh, well, it is uh, it is the Danny Green uh, debut. At least we expect he is questionable. Uh, as is uh, Des Bane. As is John Kanchar for that matter. Um, really, the Grizzlies'
2: wing rotation has been questionable. So yeah,
1: <laughs> it is I would say highly questionable. Exactly right. Um, so, I, what, what, what we expect to see someone run up and down. I mean, like when when Jaron came back, when Dez came back, even there, you're sort of giving them uh, one, one game is is nothing, and then one game, the first game back, is particularly meaningless um the the, the what, what do we expect tonight, or what do we what, when do you expect him to be introduced? let's say he plays? what do you think his place in the rotation will be? Oh, I'm guessing he'll
2: play you know twelve minutes off the bench, sort of your fourth wing or whatever. I think they have to get him out there like now, um but I don't they're not going to give him heavy minutes, and again I, and I agree you can't i mean you can't really you know make any judgments on production. maybe you can't make judgments on anything. But you want to see someone who looks physically like not broken, right? Like right. like physically up to um to moving laterally as a defender and getting around on NBA floor, like that's sort of your bare minimum you're trying to see.
1: Yeah, and as you pointed out, they know what they have already cuz they've been watching him. This is really more that we now will have a, get a sense of it. Um and uh what well, at his what was he last year? Before the injury, which was a torn anterior and lateral cruciate ligaments in his left knee, uh, what was he? Um, he was in Philly's rotation
2: playing, you know, what for the Grizzlies. Might have been starter a minute, I think he was playing like 25 minutes a game. Um, shot well from three. Didn't shoot a lot. He averaged six points a game. So not like a high-volume right. guy, but like, you know, shot a good percentage and, and soaked up minutes, played defense. Actually, he was more prolific as a shooter in the playoffs Right before he got injured, uh, he boosted his, his volume of shooting and, and, and at good percentages in the playoffs. I think he scored double digits several games for them in the playoffs. And so it looked like a guy maybe biding his time a little bit in the regular season and then sort of amping it up a little bit for the playoffs, which is not unusual for a better role player of that type, given his, his sort of history. That's sort of what he was. And if he, is, he, if he got all the way back to that, I think you'd be pretty happy with it. But I, I don't. It's hard for me to
1: assume,
2: I mean, mean, eight and a half half months, off the two torn knee ligaments, Um, you know, who
1: knows? Um, Do you put any stock in the, if he comes back and can play credibly, he is also a veteran, like, is the veteran presence thing real? Like, you got the sense that Kyle Anderson played a little of that role, like, in this mercurial bunch of swaggering grizzlies, it's nice to have someone there who's a little bit of a wise old head. Does that have any signif- any significance to you at all? I do think Kyle had moments where he could
2: sort of settle things down a little bit. One of the differences there is Kyle could, could take the ball and settle right. things down and sort of right. and, and get you into something. Um, he, was, he was basically like a 6'9 point guard. And Danny Green is like, I, I'm, I'm going to stand in the corner. Right. So it's a little bit different as far as that goes. I think I, mean, I think the Grizzlies came quickly – this has been something that's a little been a little bit misunderstood over time when I've heard people talk about it They, they didn't make that trade because they wanted Danny Green, and they wanted his veteran presence. That was just a contract they had to take and right. they was and they were they and they definitely contemplated buying him out in the summer um, once they got him in, I think they became enamored with him as a veteran presence, and I think they found that valuable you know just on the plane in the locker room, whatever, you know, right. in the practice court, et cetera. Um, how much more valuable does that become in the context of playing?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I, I
2: think I think it, 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 it's, it's a factor. I, I don't think it should be an overwhelming one no. in their decision-making.
1: Um, has he, by the way, and I, I don't know the answer to this, does he go on all the road trips? Like, he's with the team all the time, or does he stay home to rehab ever? Uh, do I don't you know, know if he's
2: gone on all the road trips, but he has definitely gone on road yeah, trips.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right, so that is tonight. They play Portland. Uh, Damian Lillard's on a heater. Tell me about Portland.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Portland has basically changed the entire team, including including the head coach, around Damian Lillard over the last few years, and they're exactly the same team they've <laughs> always been. They, they, are, they are a top-ten offense and a bottom-ten defense. Damian Lillard is an all-star, averaging 30 points a game. The rest of the team around him is just okay, and they're playing 500 basketball, same as it ever was.
1: Um, all right, and then we have the, uh, the OG and Obi trade stuff continues. It almost—it's a week from tomorrow. The trade deadline is a week from tomorrow.
2: Yeah, it's weird. It feels like the last 24 hours there's sort of been this groundswell of it, Ananobi yeah. Grizzlies talk, which we've been talking about for like you know a month or whatever, but. And it seems like it's really bubbling up, but I can't find a single instance that seems truly sourced to anything meaningful. So I don't know if there's anything there, there more than, than than I know or believe, or if it's just, just sort of this collective hive mind trying to come up with something to think about.
1: Uh, Let's talk about him real quickly, just as a player. Do you recall when you first, like he was, he was in the same draft actually as Dylan Brooks was a, He's British originally, although he really grew up in Missouri. He went to Indiana, had one undistinguished year at Indiana, and was the 23rd pick in the 2017 he, draft. He
2: had, he had, you've researched this more than I have, but I can tell you from memory, he had a major injury issue in college. Yep. And he went lower in the draft than people thought he would based on the injury. He was someone who, like before the injury concerns, people thought was going to go a lot higher than that. And he ended up falling because of the injury stuff.
1: His brother, Chigbo Anobi, Anobi uh, played in the NFL and then went to medical school. Um, he was in the same draft as Dylan and Ivan Rab that draft. You know, I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't have time. I'm, you know what happened to the Grizzlies' first-round pick that year? It was 2017. They did. They had the two Oh, I'd seconds. have to go back yeah. and
2: look. You know, maybe maybe it was from the Jeff Green Jeff thing, Bing, or maybe or... it was something else. Who knows? There, yeah. there were so many trades back then. Maybe may, may it even been that, that John Moore Cleveland thing that finally came home to roost. I really don't remember.
1: So one of the tricky things about the trade is is Dylan Brooks, um, whether he would be part of it or not. Do you assume? Let's say we, we learn tomorrow that the trade has happened. Um, would your best guess be that Dylan Brooks would not be in it?
2: Yeah, because to me, it, the question becomes, does Toronto place a value on Dylan Brooks beyond this is contract we need to match? Because you know, kind of, you know, they, they have to have a contract in it to start, and that's going to be either Danny Green right. or Dylan Brooks, presumably, and then you add value to theirs. And so, from Toronto's perspective, does Dylan Brooks does he start the value proposition, or is he just starting the contract match proposition, and then you and then you add value? If Dylan Brooks does not contribute to the value proposition, there's no reason for the Grizzlies to put him in that trade. And so, and so that's sort of what it comes down to. Even even if you say, well, we think it would be problematic to have OGN and OB Dylan Brooks on the same team, well, find some other trade for Dylan Brooks, right, where, where he would bring where he would have value in the trade. To me, you don't move Dylan Brooks strictly. As expiring
1: contract, and, and uh, why would he have value to them? Under what's I mean, they're not. Well, I mean, they would. They would. You get his bird rights. He's unrestricted free agent. But if right. you have a if you have a player,
2: you have a leg up on resigning them. Right. And, um, that, that and would... so you know, if they like him as a player, and they say, you know, if we resign him this summer, it will be cheaper in a total contract than what we're going to have to pay O.J. and Ananobi a year from now. So we get a similar defensive player. At a roughly similar age and we're going to pay him less and we think that makes sense for us i don't know if they feel that way or not but in theory that's what it would be
1: but that is the the tricky thing because normally if you were coming off of a player like dylan brooks at the trade deadline because they're going to be a uh a free agent at the end of the year the the way you would get the most value for him is someone who's in contention who wants him as a rental like that's normally as as and and that's not toronto uh, and so that's partly what makes it awkward. He clearly does have value. That's why yeah.
2: if, if, Dylan, if Dylan Brooks were in this theoretical deal, so, so if this theoretical deal were happening, I just said that you know if Dylan Brooks doesn't have value for Toronto, you move him in a separate deal. The other possibility I didn't mention is it's a three-way deal, right? And so he's getting rerouted from Toronto somewhere else for additional value you know, from a team that, that would want him for that reason.
1: Yeah, I've seen people send Dylan to the Knicks, and then the Knicks contribute to the pot that goes to Toronto because the Knicks who are in the playoffs would value him this year, put uh, associate value with Dylan Brooks. They throw something that helps you get on an OB. Uh, yeah. I mostly,
2: Toronto. you know, I, though I sometimes traffic in suggested trades the fact that like <laughs> 99% of what I write about that is never going to happen. I don't quite have the stomach to dream up multi-team <laughs> scenarios. And so, like, that makes a lot of sense, and if I wanted to, I could do a bunch of that, but I just, you know, the the odds of the simple thing happening are are so low that to come up with the complicated one, I just don't have the time or stomach for it
1: anymore. He is obviously a meaningful defensive player, um, and is a meaningful three-point shooter, doesn't really do anything else. How much would he contribute offensively? Stand well, Stan, yeah. Go ahead.
2: The thing about this team is you've got your top three players, and maybe there's some scenario like you know the Kevin Durant thing we talked about last summer, where suddenly you're adding someone better. I think you're past the point of adding someone better. I think this team is going to be about John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson. How good they can be collectively, how far they can take you, and so you're so you're you're dealing with the edges of that. And so to me, the Anthony thing, assuming that you could resign him, which obviously if you're training for him, I would advocate doing so. <laughs> That is upgrading the Dylan Brooks slide. That is, you know, it's still the fourth, to me, your, your fourth option. Now, no, Does he want to be a fourth option? That's a good question. If he wants to compete for a title, he needs to be a fourth option. So he would be a really good fourth option, you know, if he's, if he's that. Um, but that's kind of what you're looking for. You're looking to improve your offense around the edges with complementary stuff because your core is going to be Sean Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson. I don't think you're trading for anybody or likely developing anybody that's going to supersede any of those three in your pecking order.
1: Well, and then there is this question of where are the Grizzlies? What are the Grizzlies? like? Where do you value that fourth piece, upgrading that fourth piece, versus whether it's Zaire or Santi or any of the cluster of first-round picks? Um you know, people talk about going all in, and, and it, it's to me it's just not a meaningful discussion because it, 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 it comes down to the specificity of the player. You know, like Toronto went all in with Kawhi and won a championship. I guess Atlanta went all in, uh, you know. The, so to, 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 to yeah. Toronto did that move at a time when the team that they had
2: built around DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, some of these guys that team had sort of stalled out. Yep. So so your, so your first iteration of your contending team had kind of stalled out. I think the Grizzlies, and so this is actually I think what I'm going to write about next week ahead of the trade deadline. I, instead of thinking about this year-to-year, I think the Grizzlies themselves and we should be thinking about it as iterations. Um, John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson are young enough that if you can keep them together for 10 years, you're going to have different competitive iterations around them. Like the team, the competitive team, the contending team they have right now with those three players and other guys may be 100% different in terms of, you know, four through 15, four years from now. And so to me it's about, it's not thinking year to year, but thinking, okay, this is one iteration of this team. How do we maximize this iteration? And to me that's that's this season and next season and, like, maybe the year after. And at that point, like, Stephen Adams probably gone and Tyus Jones is gone and whatever. And so I'm sort of thinking about it from, like, period to period instead of year to year. And so to me, Ananobi is, a, is someone who, you know, not only does he give you a boost this year, but he's under contract next season, and sort of he adds to the iteration. And and some of the other, you know, trades I've speculated about do the same thing. I'm not thinking about it just in terms of this season. No. But I'm also not thinking about it in terms of 10 years. I'm thinking about it in terms of, like, two or three years.
1: And as we've said, those first-round picks, Asante, whatever – I mean, are are useful when they seem to be in the hands of this front office, um, because you're going to have less flexibility moving forward financial, etc., when when, you know, people are want to get paid and whatever. You're going to have to continue to fuel these future iterations, I guess. There is you know, I don't know, you would would you give up what two firsts and and Zaire or two firsts and Santi and whatever contract in this deal for Ananobi?
2: Yeah, I think I probably would because he's under contract next season, because of his age, because I believe financially, as I projected out the cap, you can re-sign him and Desmond Bain. Um, or you should be able to. You should be willing and able to. And because I, I think there is there is there there is a level. You're right that you, you want these players coming back in to replace, just like you did replace Kyle Anderson or whatever. But at some point, you only have so many roster spots. And there's sort of marginal value as you go deeper. And so, yes, I think I'd do that now. Would I do three picks? That's the question. All that? Three firsts,
1: three firsts, and Santi and Danny Green.
2: Yeah, uh, that's a lot. Um, I, I, I think I think you can make a case either way on that. But you know, contract plus young player plus two picks—that's the deal. I think I would do.
1: <sighs> LeBron's good. Uh, are you? Are you? Um, gets triple double, beats the Knicks. Are you? Uh, Interested at all I'm not particularly In this He's going to pass Kareem thing Just because It's inevitable Like it's going to happen Yeah
2: only... it, It's funny I listen and, I, and at this point this stage of my life It's is established I'm mostly just The NBA fan Maybe that'll change Just you know I, I shed other responsibilities and get back To other sports But It's funny I listen to podcasts And they'll say like the Kareem all-time points track is the most hallowed record in basketball. And I'm thinking, where would that rank in baseball? Like the, the, the 75th most hallowed record? It's just not a sport that's like that, you know? You don't think of like, you know, you think of like the baseball home run number. You like know those numbers. No one knows what the Kareem number is. I, just don't, I don't think basketball is a sport I don't even know the ballpark. statistical milestones.
1: Do you right now know what the Kareem number is? Like you've been reading about it? Yeah, talk- no, I had no idea. Do you know no even, even within five thousand? Do you know, like two thousand? Do you know what it is?
2: What is it? Is it like 40? forty thousand?
1: Something like that. I got. I no idea. Um,
2: yeah, all right, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, so, so yeah, I don't know.
1: Um, but it, the number, the number that matters though, is number one. That's the mat. It's not that they're passing yeah. a hollow number. It's that no one has right. ever scored more. And by the way, uh, last night passed Mark Jackson and Steve Nash. He's now fourth in all time assists. Meantime, the Pelicans have lost nine straight. They were second not long ago. Uh, They are on the verge of missing the play yet. How about that? Um, Then again, I just don't want them to get another freaking lottery (laughs) pick. Like, it's ridiculous. You know? I'd almost rather... I want them to make the playoffs. This is preposterous.
2: (laughs) So the best case scenario here we're looking for is the Lakers to get up to 10. Now, I guess we need the Lakers... I guess you would have to have the Lakers make the playoffs completely to miss the lottery. So that's I'm willing. I'm willing to risk it. Let's let the Lakers get up to ten, <laughs> get up to ten, and like get get win the, the 9-10 game and get to the one game elimination for the playoff spot and lose that game and just miss the playoffs, but have like the fourteenth odds or whatever. Then have the Pelicans miss the, the even the play in completely, and let's just that's I mean, how would you feel like, about frustration Lakers, for both those fan bases?
1: Very unlikely to happen. How would you feel about Grizzlies Lakers first round series?
2: I would not relish that. I, I know. There, I mean, I feel. I feel like this discussion came up last season as, as yes. a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't really, I do, It would be obviously lots of hype and lots of of attention. But I don't. I don't relish that. I don't relish dealing with all the Lakers stuff. I don't relish the fear of like. It's a playoff series with LeBron James, you right. know, and like, and so I don't, that's not what I'd be rooting for. Give me, give me Sacramento or Dallas or something. All
1: right. And then finally, I know you're off to cover the Tyree Nichols uh, Memorial service at Mississippi Boulevard church. How do you even prepare for covering such a thing? I don't know. And in fact, I don't, uh, you,
2: you know, I've been out of this. I'm going to cover it. I'm not, I'm I'm not 100% certain I will write. I, it's the kind of thing, Like when I went to that vigil, I sort of, I, I told our editor, like, I'm not going to force it. I'm going to try to write something, but if right. I feel like I don't have anything to say, I'm just not going to do it. I'm sort of in the same vein. Like I probably will write, but I'm not going to, if I don't have something to say, I, then it doesn't need to be said. Right. And so so we'll see from there. I. I, I don't know. I'm going to do a little bit of you know, reading and catching up on the news. And, and I don't know. I'm just going to keep my eyes and ears open and see what happens.
1: Well, I presume then we have a beat writer uh, covering Yeah, it. no, we, we
2: – well, we, uh, yes, unlike the visual, I will not be – we'll have news yeah. coverage of it regardless. And so it's a little bit less, you know, do we, do we want a second piece off it or not? We'll see.
1: That is – that's how I felt when I went to the protest Friday night and ultimately did not write about that, but then it presented itself at the game. And then I did write about it, but I, I'm, I, I understand that feeling completely, I will say it's jarring to wake up. Like I get the New York times newsletter, like, you know, their, their version of early word or whatever is delivered in my mailbox every morning. And today it was about, policing and scorpion-type units across the country with a focus on Memphis, obviously. It is right. It is really something um, to, to see M- Memphis at the center of all of this. So uh, anyway, uh, best of luck with that. Thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Chris Harrington from The Daily Memphian. You may or may not be able to read uh, Chris on this. I am grateful that we have someone as thoughtful um, as Chris writing about this stuff. Um, uh, Chris Chris writes about the NBA in in a way unlike anyone else in this market. And, um, but I almost like him even better when he is, when he went to the vigil and the things that he has to say, he's sort of, and you can tell, listen to him, that he has this anti-talk radio mentality. And so he doesn't just like to gliver takes. That's not what he does. Um, I think Chris is almost when he is weighing in on the issues that are in front of us as a city at his most valuable. So yesterday, it actually came down that uh, one of us was gonna go to the Grizzlies tonight because we have Drew Hill there already, Drew, the superb beat writer. Uh, for the Daily Memphian, uh, covering the Grizzlies. And then we had these, you know, the Danny Green debut and, uh, and the memorial service today. And I said, I was going to go to the Grizzlies and, and it's mostly because I did write about Tyree Nichols, uh, Sunday. And it's hard in the midst of all of this to know what to say that adds value that isn't just what everybody else is saying, that is insightful. And I think the sort of humility with which Chris is going to this memorial service to say, I'm gonna keep my ears open, and if I have something to say, I will say it, but I don't feel the need to say something just to say something, I appreciate that. And honestly, if you like that kind of journalism, I uh, would humbly, uh, Ruth, uh, su- suggest that maybe you could even consider um,